Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Biology Report. I hope everyone's staying safe and isolated. If I had one wish, I wish Big Mervyn Hughes had one more big bounce around him and knock over this coronavirus back to where it belongs. Joining me as always, the big man, Bradley, bad boy, Hodge. Hodgey, how are you travelling in this isolated world? No, Flynn, we're good, yeah. Um, I was... I'm glad, look, uh, when you mentioned the great uh, Mervyn Hughes there and thinking about isolation, I'm not sure if you wanted to cast your mind back to the early 90s and you used to be his roommate and <laughs> the amount of flatulence that the guy yes. used to let out. I'm not sure he's the guy that you want to be isolated with in this current climate. The big fella after he's tucked down two or three pizzas and four cans of Coke. But if he could knock out a big bounce or two, that would be pretty cool <laughs> to see. But other than that, we're trucking along nicely here. School uh, homeschooling is yes, yeah, it's it's okay, it's a challenge, but uh, yeah, we're knocking it out of the park. It's all good. Uh, so we're, we're in the same position. We're doing a, a lot of uh, the, the homeschoolings fit in uh, the fitness, um, a lot of running, um, yep. a lot of bike riding, a lot of kicking the football. So that that's yep. all going nicely at this end. Um, watching a lot of TV, Hodgie. Watching yep. a lot of TV. If I went, I went a top three of this week. Um, curb your enthusiasm. I don't know if you've watched that. Uh, no. Larry David's the main character. He, he was. Uh, he wrote Seinfeld with Jerry. Uh, just absolute okay. gold. Pretty, cool. pretty good. Uh, two Ozark. It's a dark, yes. brooding thriller. Get into it. Yeah, I've done that from start to finish. That finished uh, straight away. Done that. Oh, wow. Uh, what about something that I reckon be up your boat? Have you gone Tiger King yet? No, I haven't done Tiger King. No. Oh, I've seen it's got a lot of air time. Uh, haven't done Tiger King. Uh, so, I'll tell you what we have been doing. We've been watching... Fi- um, yeah, go for it. Uh, can I finish Tiger King, though? If you haven't seen yeah. it, this is... Promote Tiger King, also known as Joe Exotic, is a gay man with bleached mullet who uh, is on meth, is married to multiple toothless men, owns a zoo with hundreds of tigers that he breeds, has his own internet television show, uh, is a country singer, ran for president, um, wants to get a reality show, sometimes walks with a cane, sometimes not, uh, carries a gun around and just shoots randomly. That's just one character. There's about four or five of them. I'm telling you, it's um, it's the Paul Adams in cricket terms. It, it's yeah. the frog in the blender show. You, there, you, yeah. you don't know what's going on. Funny, you're talking about um, 
things to do in this isolation period. And I'm glad you just mentioned the frog in the blender because I was teaching. Well, we're not teaching. <laughs> we're, we're doing some, me and Sophie were doing some bowling out in the backyard. She's bowling some leg spin. And I tried to show her some really cool <laughs> leg spinners on YouTube and stuff. So I showed her Warney and a few, and we were talking about wrongins. And then, of course, the frog in the blender came up. So she's like, what's this action? So oh. I showed the frog in the blender and she's like, how, how do you do that? Like, yeah. what's that all about? And I said, well, he's known as the frog in the blender. So pretty cool stuff. Um, they're, they're funny things which you discover whilst doing absolutely jack shit with your time. <laughs> no, it is. And um, I must admit, I'm, you know, we both love our music. So when I'm riding or, or trying to get a run in, um, I, my, my three main playlists are um, hair metal from the 1980s. So there's, yep. there's Cinderella, Def Leppard, um, who else? A bit of Motley Crue. And then I've got yep. the grunge, best of. So Pearl Jam, Nirvana, a bit of Food Fighters, Bush, Soundgarden. Alice yes, in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots. And then I've gone just with an Aussie rock one that gets me going. Aussie Crawl, In Excess, The Vinyls, Boom Crash Up, Midnight Oil, Hoodoo Gurus, The Angels. So it's good to go back and just catch up with some of the old music. Uh, what a great bliss of music that is. What a combination. I, I don't think you could fault any one of those artists and not have a good time. They're... Uh, they're amazing. What am I? I've been listening to a lot of country and western, actually, Luke Coombs and things like that. I'm not sure why. Wow. Yeah, it's gone through a country and western phase. Um, I think, and it maybe had something to do with hanging out with Nathan Reardon over in India. Uh, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, just tapped into a bit of country and western. But um, still, we've got all those. I, and you talked about, um, you know. Uh, the frog in the blender, Paul Adams. There's a lot of in isolation. Um, a great man called Rob Alinda on Twitter is, is just punching out old retro clips left, right, and centre. And um, there, there's been some absolute gold. There has have you been. Any of it? Yeah, I have actually. And you know what I love about it is that the first person to make comment in reply to the uh, the video is the actual person involved. Yeah. In the- so I've seen a couple with Mark War in it, first to comment. Greg Lewis being there, being on it. All these people are broadcasters. It's pretty hilarious. And they go, oh, thanks, Rob. Thanks for posting that on. That looks awesome and stuff. They're the first ones to make comment on. It's brilliant. Has he, done, has he done any of you yet, though? There was someone that did. I can't remember who it was. There was the two, uh, 203 I scored against uh, South Africa. So, yeah, there's a couple of good memories. Um, but even just looking through his feed here, uh, you know, Chris Lewis opening the bat from England, you know, Brian Lara's 400. Uh, the yeah. Ambrose-Steve Wall one's getting a real good run. Um, yeah. There's one from Ian Botham talking about how he deliberately ran out Jeff Boycott. Absolute <laughs> well, gold here and a lot of domestic stuff too. So yeah, uh, yeah. if you haven't checked him out, Rob Moody on Twitter, make sure you do that. Yeah, he's good. It's good stuff. And Hodgie, you've organised a special guest for us today. Well, here we are for, for the Biology Report, the Isolation Biology Report. Flamo, <laughs> welcome to you. Um, we have picked things up after the World Cup and 
I do have a special guest for us today, uh, a World Cup winner. So she joins the likes of us, Flem, which is pretty cool. So I'd like to welcome to our biology report, Jess Jonathan, all the way checking in from Brisbane. Welcome to our show. Yes, I'm glad Jess. that Flemo finally got the technology <laughs> right. It only took him <laughs> 27 minutes to get it right. But welcome <laughs> and uh, congratulations. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to a chat. No worries. Thanks for having me on. I, I don't know whether all 27 minutes were his fault, though. Um, I'm a bit of a Zoom newbie, so I'm a bit late to the party, but that's right. We got there in the end. Jess, congratulations uh, about being a T20 World Cup winner. So having that and then also coming on to the biology report, has your career just peaked? It has. I mean, I never thought that I'd be able to be on something like this. Um, <laughs> I mean, you guys would know what it's like playing in front of big crowds and now I can say that I've joined the club and also joined this club as well. So, I well, mean. Just, just look, on that, look, I'm not sure. I, I never played at Eden Gardens. I did play at Eden Gardens at a pre-packed house. Um, I, I got the feeling that you have won the player out of this trio to play in front of the biggest crowd. Uh, just talk us through that experience and what, the crowd peaked out. I know Flynn was there because I don't know if you saw him or not. Everyone's social media saw him because he was <laughs> proudly presenting that he was at the game. But just talk Jess. us through that experience and how, how fun it was and how big the crowd was. Look, it was amazing. But obviously the crowd that you would have played in front of for a Boxing Day test would have been pretty big. But um, 78,000, so not as big as that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so we had just over 86,000, almost 87,000 people. Um, Yeah, it's something throughout my whole career that I never thought I'd ever play in front of a crowd like that. And um, I don't know, it was really weird. I thought that I was going to be really nervous for it because it's something I've never done. But um, I was probably more nervous in the lead up to the whole game than I was out on the field hearing everybody. Um, And I think I could probably speak for a lot of the other girls in the team that um, we just sort of used it and embraced it. And um, I think that allowed us not to be as nervous as people probably would have expected everybody to be. And were many Um, of the girls distracted by, uh, when I played my Boxing Day test match, I don't know whether this happened to Flem, but it's amazing how many of your family members you've never spoke to for the best part of 20 years come out of the closet Want to wish you the best. Ask them for tickets. I'm sure in your case they're saying, look, we're going to fly down from Brizzy. We're going to come to the MCG. Can you hustle up 20 tickets for us? Is that possible? Did that happen? Yeah, well, it probably actually happened even before the World Cup even started. Um, like, obviously, there's been, there was such a big build-up about it and everyone's like, oh, you better make the final now because we bought tickets and all of this. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do if something happens and we don't make it? Um, so it was sort of you had that sort of expectation from the beginning. Um, but at the same time, it was sort of, yeah, once it got closer, for me it was more so, well, whatever family or friends I could get there, it would have been, it was great. And I was able to fly um, one of my sisters and um, her fam, like her little family and my niece and nephew and all of them down and mum and dad followed us around for the whole World Cup. So that was pretty special to have them there as part of it. And um, it was sort of, it only really sunk in 
with all those sort of people afterwards when we were in the change rooms and it was probably one of the packed most packed <laughs> change rooms post <laughs> post match that I've ever been a part of and um it just goes to show where the women's games got to though that um gone are the days when it used to just be your family and your parents in the crowd cheering you on that now it's bloody Bobby down the road or Linda <laughs> from Innisvale or something that's making the trek down so that's something that I don't know it feels really special to be a part of. Well Jess I've seen both sides I've won and lost a world cup and it's fair to say the winning one <laughs> at Lords was a free-for-all for everyone there's Bobby Hawk there's just everyone there when we lost in Karachi no, there wasn't too many supporters around. But back to your final, I don't know if you saw me I know me what there. that's like too. <laughs> I don't know if you saw me. I was just in the member stand, uh, KEF23, with my wife and two daughters. <laughs> Sent out some very subtle social media things just to keep it under there. But how electric, I mean, you're you're obviously watching there, but for, for, for us in the crowd, when um, Alyssa Healy got going from ball one, it was just amazing. I mean, that momentum must have meant so much, um, obviously on the field, but but off field for the teammates. Yeah, it did. I think um, I was actually a little bit nervous for her at the beginning because after we'd won the toss and we were batting, obviously Katy Perry was performing on the field and it was a bit of a disjointed warm-up sort of thing to what we're used to, that we had to be off the ground sort of half hour or whatever before we needed to be out there for the anthems. And there was once we said, oh, yeah, we're batting, all us bowlers were like, yep, great. This is awesome. We get to watch Katy Perry's songs and then we can race down and get ready and we don't need to worry about performing for a while. But then Midge is up there as well and um, Ash Gardner and Pez was there and I think Pez said to to Midge, like, um, don't you need to actually go get ready to bat? And she's like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> she actually <laughs> forgot, oh, yeah, I'm just about to go out and open in a World Cup final at home. Um but I think in saying that, that probably was the best preparation for her, that she wasn't actually thinking about cricket yeah. or about the game. She was thinking, how good is this occasion? And um, Deepthi Sharma, she bowled the first over and um, she'd sort of got their team off to, got India off to a good start in a lot of their games and particularly their games against us, both in the first game and the T20 Tri-Series leading into it. So um, to hit her first two balls or whatever it was for four, um, <laughs> yeah, really put them on the back foot. And then obviously being dropped in the first over as well ended up being quite a costly one. Now, Jess, talk spoke about seizing the moment as a sports player. Did you recognise that moment when Katy Perry was out there and your disjointed warm-up was there, that you had the opportunity? Anyone went up to Matthew Mott after your winning performance and said, listen, all warm-ups are out. We're done with warm-ups. <laughs> There's no need. Um, let's just cut them all back. Uh, I mean, I can recall a few of my greatest innings where there was zero warm-up to be taken. This is an opportunity. <laughs> cannot be missed. I think there's something you should look at. Well, who even likes warm-ups anyway? Like, no that's one. the one no. thing. Like, that's something that you always say to people who are retiring, oh, enjoy no more warm-ups. So... It obviously works. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just a, another distraction. And I think for us, it was just another thing that was something we had to sort of get over and adjust and find a way to, like, get the job done. And um, 
yeah, I, I'm all for no more warm-ups. That'll be amazing. And just going back to the start of the World Cup, that first game up in Sydney, when uh, I was sitting here watching the game and I thought, what an absolute dog tip of a wicket that's rolled out to suit the Indians. Did, yeah. did any of the girls in the dressing room after that realise that or did they know that or were expecting it or the frustration was there or was it just sort of parked and go, okay, well, it's happened now. Let's move on. We're going to move to really good venues like the MCG, um, you know, because in Melbourne we produce good wickets. Yes. Um, I just wanted to know whether that was something which you found as a frustration because I certainly would have been frustrated. It felt that it was definitely dictated towards India getting off to a better start than Australia. Yeah, it was a bit frustrating. Like we, we knew what we were going to expect. We knew it was going to happen, obviously, with a lot of the, the big bash games that are being played there and knowing the type of wicket and um, knew it was going to suit slower bowling and, and the spinners. And um, in saying that, though, we, we had a couple of games there. We had an intra-squad practice match. We had a centre wicket thing there. So we were sort of as well prepared as we could be. It just was a matter that on that night we didn't actually execute playing the slower bowlers how we would have liked and we got off to a really good start with the bat and um, then, yeah, throughout the middle, um, obviously when one of their bowlers take four for not many, it's sort of in T20 cricket, it's going to be quite difficult to actually get over the line for that. But, yeah, without a doubt we were all frustrated and um but I think, obviously, you guys would know the, the beauty of tournament play as well is you don't actually have much time to, to dwell on things like that. And knowing for us how much we were travelling during the World Cup and the fact that the next venue we were going to was <laughs> the Wacker, so you have one extreme <laughs> to the next and um, you have maybe one training session if that to sort of adjust to a completely different um, set of circumstances. And um, I think that probably also showed in our second game against Sri Lanka where we almost stuffed that one up as well. So um, there there was a lot of nerves going around at at that point as well. Obviously, you've got the expectation um, of a home World Cup, but then you also have the expectation that you put on yourself anyway whenever you go out and and represent your country. So, um, yeah, adding into it completely contrasting elements, (laughs) it's very challenging. But, um, yeah, obviously it worked out in the end. Jess, just going back to Hodgie's warm-up scenario, I thought he was going to go that you had to go to Matthew Mott, that you needed an international singing superstar for every warm-up before each game. But back to yeah. the actual... Well, I wouldn't tour- say no to that either. Yeah. Well, who would you nominate? Who's your favourite musician? Oh, any anybody. Like, I think people who can perform without auto-tune it can come. Um, anybody like that. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm really open to a little bit more specific, Jess. I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little prod if you would like. So, okay. In a dressing room, as you know, there's certain people that like particular style of music. Yep. So, Flem was in charge of the rock box. We definitely have some Metallica, maybe some Motorhead. Yeah. Um, Shane Watson would have the Backdoor Boys or uh... Boys the Men, whatever they're called. So that 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 gets thrown <laughs> out the door. Don't um, forget what was, don't don't forget Steve Waugh's country and western. How bad was that? Really? That might suit Jess. That might suit Jess, but 
Just because I'm from the country doesn't mean I necessarily like country music. Sorry about that. Which way would you go? (laughs) If you had full control of the rock box in the stadium, which way would you go? Um, For me, on a game day or gym or whatever, it's maybe a bit of Fallout Boy, something like that. Yep, not Um, bad. It's got to be something that's a bit pump-up type stuff. You can't sort of have slow ballads or anything on that day but yeah anything sort of poppy or current um i'm all for it but yeah there are a few country bumpkins in the team is that because it partners partners your white line fever that you have yeah a lot of people know about that white line fever what's that just explain to everyone what white line fever is what it feels like and what happens to you well some of my best examples would be somebody's bit like a kitten off the field, sort of all nice to everybody and whatnot, wants everybody to do well. And then as soon as you cross the line, <laughs> you go onto the field and it's like, nah, game on. If you're in my way, you'll know about it. I'm here to oh. win and do what I can to do it. I like it. Um, back to the music. <laughs> I just want to say I, I bagged Steve Waugh, but his favourite artist just passed away, Kenny Rogers. So rest in peace, Kenny. Um, oh, he was a bit. He was and the coward though. So not a great mix. Back to the tournament <laughs> here, Jess. Um, injuries, um, struggling early. You're the favourites for the tournament, and you, and you talked about to- it's all about momentum. Um, was the belief still there going into the semi final against South Africa? Um, do you remember a moment that you, you know the team stood their ground or leaders to go, "Hang on, we are the best team, and we can still win this"? Um, what was the feeling going into that semi final? Um, well, obviously the weather was a massive talking point going into that. That um, there was all this talk about, oh. This happened in the Big Bash semi, uh, the Big Bash final as well, and who in their right mind um, sort of programs or schedules cricket in Sydney in this <laughs> in March? It's the it's the wettest wettest month of the year and all that sort of stuff. And Moddy actually told us leading into it to make sure we stayed off the radar. And um, I don't think a single person listened to him. So I was probably checking it every five seconds and thinking, oh, it's not going to change. And it was the topic of every conversation. So. Um, it probably wasn't a bad thing that we were talking about the weather um, then people were sort of not really talking about the cricket, so to speak. And um, I think it was always going to be one of those things that we were we were preparing to play, but it was always in the back of everybody's mind that, oh, well, what if we don't, then um, we don't make it through to the final. We don't even get, a, get an opportunity. And we obviously saw that with the the game prior to us that they didn't even get on with India and England. And I think um, it actually, schedule-wise, we were meant to be that first game um, in terms of the Group A, Group B matchup stuff. But right. when it came through that we qualified, then they wanted us to be in the prime time, time mm-hmm. slot. So it actually, there were so many things that, like, we couldn't control that, went in our favour that we had so much luck on that day that um, it was probably once we won that semi-final then we were like there was this weight lifted off it was almost actually I I had a conversation with um, Elisa about it and it was almost after the the group stage had finished we were like oh okay like 
there, there was almost this relief that we got out of the group stage because I think it turned out if we didn't get out of there, it would have been the first time in history that the Australian women's team didn't get out of the group stage of a World Cup. So we didn't want to be the first team for that to happen to um, at any point, um, let alone at a home World Cup. And then also no biology report for losers. That's right. Correct. I know, I know. Nobody, nobody cares about you, do they? <laughs> I mean, this has to be, uh, you know, when um, this goes on record later on in life, when you know you're thinking about past experiences and you talk about this whole year being stuck indoors, there's probably only going to be two things that stand out, and that's Katy Perry and the biology report for sure. I know. In your I know. Memory. I was talking about Katy Perry for. For months and I actually think I jinxed my wedding because of it because I said to my partner I was like oh I'm sorry but I don't think anything I don't even think our wedding day is going to top how today's made me feel and it turns out then all this coronavirus stuff's happening we've had to postpone the wedding so oh, I have okay. heard that uh, I've heard yeah. you postpone your, your wedding and your honeymoon's out the door uh yeah. what's the plans going forward what, what can you do um just wait until all this calms down and um yeah, sort of we can't even book a tentative future date because we don't know how long we're going to be isolated, how long the various venues are going to be closed down. And we put a lot of stress, a lot of planning into it that um, we don't want it to go to waste. So we actually want to have the day that we plan. Like that under there, that's our little <laughs> checklist board. There. So it's still <laughs> sitting there. We haven't even put that away yet. So. But when the 2nd of May comes around, I think I'll be having a few drinks just in, yeah, I'll be a bit gutted that day because that was the day we were meant to get married. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Jess? I'll, since things have gone south for me and Flem and our incomes have gone south, we've taken up opportunities to expand and we've both got temporary licences as celebrants. So, yes. you know, if it comes around <laughs> that you want to have you know, that joint marriage on the biology report on the 2nd of May. It'll cost you a small fee, but it won't be much. Um, but, you know, we're open to opportunities in this tough environment. Well, you've got to keep looking to expand your your horizons, don't you, especially at times like this. Oh. You can't close any doors, can you? Now, what Aren't about you... off-field? Let's go back. Sorry, Flem, you can't close doors. Are there any doors open for you? I want to talk to you about your achievements outside of cricket, and that's um, I understand that you're a, you have a, uh, a law degree, also yeah. studying or have um, a degree in criminal psychology. Is that right? Wow. Yeah, I did a I did a grad certificate in forensic mental health, um, and I've just enrolled in a little eight week course of. Um, yeah, criminal psychology. So stuff I'm very interested in and I read a lot about it and, yeah, who knows, might well, I, have a future post-cricket in that. Well, well uh, with those topics, I played with Brad for about 10 years. So if you need some case <laughs> scenario or case studies, <laughs> I, I can provide that on a, on a former teammate. Yeah. I want to get people out of uh, some tricky situations. You can well, a criminal. We have a lot of case studies, I reckon, Jess, that you could tap into. We have, we've had a, a lot of our teammates uh, went through a phase where at certain nightclubs they'd run around on their hands and knees and bite people on the ankles, all sorts of <laughs> bizarre behaviour, which... We, and um, but not and, naming any names, Bradley Hodge? 
No, no, that wasn't me. Was no, it wasn't you. And barking, hence the nickname barking Doggy. Barking like dogs. <laughs> yes, hence his name Doggy Jess. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, we've got I, name names. He was a pretty I, good all-rounder and he's now living in England. His name is Ann Harvey. But that's another case study. We've got plenty more. We've got plenty more. But talk us through what's going to happen. You know, great that you're able to study through your period of cricket time. Uh, was it difficult? Yeah. And, and and how long did that process take? It was difficult. I think I didn't actually realise how challenging it was until I went back and did my grad certificate. Um, So I finished my law degree in 2015 and I was sort of lucky enough that my first couple of years of that degree, I hadn't broken into the Aussie setup yet. Um, So I was able to get a fair chunk of that out of the way, doing it full time. Um, So then when I broke into the Aussie stuff and um, was traveling a bit, it sort of, it was a bit easier because it was sort of the back end of the degree that I didn't necessarily have to go to classes, that everything was available online. So it made it much easier. And um, yeah, it was sort of, I was probably lucky in the sense that where the women's game was at at that point, there wasn't as much travel, there wasn't as many games. Um, so I was able to dedicate a lot more time mm. to it. And um, then, yeah, I spent sort of a couple of years um, where I was just, wanted to just solely focus on cricket and um, because pretty much as soon as I finished school I moved from Rocky down here to Brizzy and I'd been at uni sort of full-time for I think it was five or six years it took me Um, and then I was just like I'm sick of the studying routine I just want to have a break and then yeah got into my grad certificate last year and I was like oh my gosh how am I even meant to do this I was doing it (laughs) part-time and I was just like I just can't find the motivation I can't find the time and um it was just yeah it was so bizarre the difference in terms of what the cricket schedule was like and then having Alfie at that point I was like well god I didn't have the dog last time but he's taking up all of my spare time now you just find ways not to do it but um no I ended up getting it done it only took me a year so yeah and then here I am now I Stuck in isolation it, and wanting to do yet another thing. <laughs> I, found, I found an amazing array of excuses to postpone my university stuff, Jess. So plenty there if you need it. I'm curious about oh, gee, when you. Oh, gee, about, just quickly, how long did it take you to complete your <laughs> degree? Uh, from start to finishing masters, fourteen years. Yeah, very good. Very so, good. Nice. I'll tell you what happened, Jess. So for the first. It was a th- both of them were three uh, studying periods. I churned out the first two and a half years, no problem. But sort of just gone, you know what? I've done it now. I'm finished. I've done ten out of twelve subjects, and I just didn't want to commit to finishing those last two subjects. And I'm not sure why, but I think it was if I completed them, it was probably an avenue to think, well, you should take that. If I don't complete it then I'm stuck in cricket and I need to make it work. I think that's my subconscious mind, something you may be able to study, um, but I, I, I'm not sure why it took that long. I think I, was just, I think I was just trying to actually graft out the ACA for as much pain as I could possibly graft them out for. <laughs> um, going back to your t- taking cricket professionally and stuff, I want to I talk to you about the little secret battle that you had, I guess, with Sophie Molyneux. 
And it was a time where, you know, and it's and it was great that you you got back in the same side and and played the World Cup final. But there was a time where you're in a battle. There's two left arm orthodoxes, both good with the bat, good in the field, both good people. It's a really hard task. And I, I had I had my battles around Australia everywhere. There was Caddish, Simons, Clark, Martin, Sins, yep. Lehman. Hussey, everyone you name of, you just look and secretly go about how they're going about. And then you come in and get your job done. I just want to know about, you know, how that was hard to manufacture and even jumping ahead of such a good contributor in Australian cricket. Yeah, look, it's obviously, it was challenging and particularly in the circumstances that sort of came about um, early on that um, obviously there was the... 2018 T20 World Cup in the West Indies where I got injured sort of it was going to be really challenging sort of getting back in the first place let alone now like there's somebody who in my eyes I saw did the exact role that I was wanting to to try and do for the side and um, it took sort of a good few months to to sort of come to to terms with it and have various conversations with Modi and um, select and whatnot about what things will look like moving forward that um, they've constantly told both of us that even though we're both left arm spinners and um, good with the bat in the field like you said that um, they see us occupying two completely different roles within the side even though we're, we're both the same so it's sort of it was sort of it took me a while to actually um, I guess believe that um, and sort of have that faith that um, I was able to go and do the job that was required, however that might look, whether um, whether it means that I, I don't bowl in the power play anymore, that I bowl somewhere else or or what that might be. And I think for the, the recent T20 World Cup and probably the Ashes prior to that, that I thought I was able to do that, that it was I had to learn to contribute in different ways um, over in the West Indies in that T20 World Cup, which I think really set me up um, from then to to realise, well, I don't have to contribute how I have in the past to actually make an impact on the side. So, um, and it was sort of one of those things that I was in the side and then um, I got injured, then Soph got in there and then Soph got injured and then I was back in and then, we finally got to play in in a few games together and it was actually really nice that um, nobody saw it as, well, nobody within the, the team setup sort of saw it, as, saw it as us competing for the one spot. And um, I think, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting going forward to obviously when she, when we all go back, I guess, from this isolation stuff that um, everybody's injuries are all good. And um, obviously, yeah, with, Pez getting injured during that that World Cup, it probably opens up a door. Um, I guess if we've got to us before she's right to for someone to get an opportunity to bat in the middle middle order a little bit more in the fifty over stuff. So um, yeah, it's going to be exciting, but it was definitely challenging early days. Hey, just just on your batting, how hard is it getting a hit in the in the Australian T <laughs> Twenty team? I mean, you've got to test ninety nine. On debut, you can talk us through. Talk us yeah, through that that's dismissal. still too soon. <laughs> too soon, but um, 
Yeah, it was like what and, and five that, years that, ago, and I still. <laughs> is it too soon? <laughs> no, I just like I still can't believe. <laughs> trying to hit it too hard. <laughs> oh well. But how much do you have to adjust your game knowing that you might go in with, you know, a few balls as opposed to having the opportunity to, to hit the gaps and build your innings? It's hard. I think um, for me, wanting to sort of have a bit more consistency around my batting um, was something that I've really sort of wanted to achieve over the last few years. And it was probably only recently in last year's WBBL that I felt I was able to do that. Um and I, I've done a lot of good work with Noffers and um, he sort of helped me gain that ability in myself with the bat again that um, I sort of lost for a few years. And, um, yeah, it's sort of I'm excited, obviously, when we get out of isolation about what I can actually do with my training. Then I think for me, I've only ever seen sort of I've had one solid year um, recently in the Big Bash with that, that I want to sort of build on it and have three or four um, solid seasons in a row with it. That um, obviously the more consistent that I keep scoring runs, um, the potential of more opportunities to come my way. And um, I saw that I had a couple in the World Cup, the two opportunities I had, and I sort of felt like I blew it. I, I just, because I wasn't used to actually like being in those situations within the Australian side that I just went completely away from everything that I know works for me. And yes, um, it's sort of that, I was texting Motty the whole campaign. Get uh-huh. her up the order. Get her up the order. You finally get your chance at Sydney. What happens? You shank one the long on. What's that all about? <laughs> I know. I I'd actually had a, about a, a ninety minute conversation with Noffers the night before on the on that phone because I was like. <laughs> Like, I, I was like, I need to talk to you. <laughs> it's like, this is what's, like, help me out here. And I was just like, I was so clear in what I wanted to do. And regardless of the situation, I was like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. And I went in there. I was like, yep, still 10 overs to go. You don't need to do anything stupid. Just get yourself in, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like you have that moment of realisation when you're walking off the field. You're like, are you serious? What did you just do? Like, Can I get a just... piece of information, Jess? Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. You've got a law degree and you've had a 90-minute conversation before a semi-final with a fast bowler about batting. No wonder it yeah. went pear-shaped. No wonder it went pear-shaped. <laughs> no, he was, a, he was a very handy bat, though, Noffers, wasn't he? He was a got very got a handy lower order bat. In what he Good has enough. to say. Doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it equates to his own ability, but what he has to say is good. <laughs> What's his good points? What's he got for you? What's he offer? Well, for me, he just he knows the areas that I am best at in terms of I'm good on the short ball, can punch down the ground for ones. He's saying for me it doesn't really matter what it looks like. If you're scoring runs, then you're doing your job. Um, I was always so concerned with, making sure that my shots looked good or that it felt good and hit the middle and whatnot. But he kept saying, if, you, if you're shanking one but you're in a good position and you're still getting runs and you're still doing your job, um, he's basically like as soon as you have the bat in your hand, your job's to score runs. doesn't matter how. You just do it in the way that is best for you. And it took a while for me like to sort of 
come to terms with that because there was different ways that I wanted to bat, but um, I wasn't actually there yet. Um, I was so caught up in wanting to to bat like how other people do instead of figuring out, well, how is it that I bat as an individual? And he really helped me grasp the understanding of that. Jess, what about back to the World Cup final? You run out there, you got runs on the board, massive crowd, and you open the bowling, take three for 20. But the bowling partnership, Megan shoots innies, your left arm orthodox, very good bowling partnership. Yeah, I always loved bowling with Shooter, um, stats guy. And um, he came back and with this big essay saying, well, no, Shooter, you, you're actually a really good matchup, and here is why. Um, and then. Yeah, it's sort of after her very first shot of the first ball that she's just smoked it but it then plugged in the ground for two, I was like, oh, God, she's she's on today that she's just gone out first ball that she's faced and she's absolutely clubbed it. And um, then, yeah, as soon as she nicked the next one, then um, I, I had a bit of enjoyment making sure I went up to shoot her and was like, oh, see, oh, yeah, not a good match up my ass. And it was um, a lot of... <laughs> A lot of banter between the girls um, after that because Shooter's one person that she absolutely despises being wrong about something. So um, for, <laughs> for that to come off and, and to get her early, um, it sort of gave everybody or every other bowler sort of, I guess, a bit of relief that um, knew how destructive she was against anybody that as soon as Shafali was out, then we were sort of able to settle in and... Um, Obviously, yeah, having the runs on the board in in such a, I guess, massive game in in a final sort of, they were all India were always going to be on the back foot, particularly losing Shafali early because she got them off to flyers in every single game. And what about the the winning moment? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, well, I think during my last over, they were they were nine down and. I was secretly hoping that I'd be able to be the one to take the last <laughs> wicket. But, um, but then, yeah, they just bowled on the spot and they just kept blocking. And I, I actually think I, I might have even said out loud, I was like, oh, boring. Um, and then we, we were just really set on making sure that we finished the game on our own terms. We didn't want them to sort of face out the overs and, have sort of the last ball just be a dot or a single or whatever. We we actually wanted to win by taking all 10 wickets. And um, I think I was in at, at mid-wicket and I remember um, Shooter coming in and bowling and then there was big swipe across the line and there was a bit of a drone vision of, from out a bit further and I was almost just like jumping up on the spot, sort of willing it to, to carry to Ash out in the boundary and, I remember seeing her sprinting in towards me and then stuck in her hands and, yeah, it was just being able to be sort of that first-person part of it that, yeah. <laughs> like, when you've just won something like that, it, it was really cool and I think uh, I lost my hat. I got a few elbows in the face and, um, yeah, it just it's just those sort of moments that just that sheer elation and almost relief that, we were able to do it, that there was so much um, sort of promotion around it, so much support from everybody that it almost would have felt like we'd let people down if we didn't win, um, even though people would say, oh, no, that wouldn't have been the case and all of that. But I think 
it was actually nice to be able to get the result that so many people wanted for us to get. I got one, Jay. I don't know whether you saw it or whether the whether the uh, the team talked about it, but it was the recipe for um, you know World Cup success or making sure you're in the highlights for World Cup success. So there was a player that in the I think it was uh, Headingley actually. Um, who had the opportunity to bowl the last over, what you were sort of talking about, hoping to close out a wicket, but was smart enough to bowl a couple of pies to a guy named Lance Klusner, and he, he pumped them through the covers as hard as anyone could have. And so I don't know whether the theatre that you girls talked about was, you know, you talked about that moment in time where there was a guy named Fleming bowled a couple of pies and then there's a few fumbles and an underarm down towards this player named Gilchrist. So really they could have got the job done a hell of a lot easier if he did what he was meant to, but it was more about the theatre, about <laughs> finishing off an event in such style as that. Well, in, it's funny you say that because in our last round game against New Zealand, Ash Gardner bowled the last over and it was the same game that Pez got injured and Ash bowled some absolute pies in that over. And she was saying afterwards, she was like, I don't even know what was going through my brain and like the school book says that we we won by four runs or whatever, but we should have probably won by more. It was probably lucky that she had 19 to defend in that over. <laughs> she knew she exactly got... what she was doing, JJ. I'll tell you what she was doing, <laughs> making sure that she is on the World Cup highlight reel yes. for the rest of her life. That's what it's all about. It's not about well, victory. It's, not about, it's about that. Yeah. Well, and nobody's speaking... going to remember that last over that she played. They're going to only remember the the winning catch that she took running in. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, back to my little scenario, that's a five-minute psychology degree right there. Um, hey, <laughs> Jess, what about the celebrations uh, with Katy Perry? Was that all organised? Um, you know, talk us through that scenario. Well, we actually were joking about it um, the whole time. We were like, oh, if we win, then... Hope we get to party on stage with Katy Perry or we'll have a private meet and greet or whatever. And um, then, yeah, sort of just joking about it, thinking it was never going to happen. And um, we were sort of in the change room for quite a while. And um, then obviously a few players were getting drug tested and whatnot. And um, then they'd sort of sectioned off an area out on the field just for us. We got these wristbands and um, (laughs) we were able to be out there and, we were jumping around like absolute lunatics, still in our playing kit with the medals around our necks, sprinting through randoms. Um, and then, yeah, we were in this little sectioned-off area and we had Bernsey, Pez and Molly Strano were getting up on the um, the <laughs> advertising board that was up around the, the field and they were on there dancing away. And it took probably a good maybe 10 minutes for security to come over and tell them that they needed to get down. But... There were a few ripper photos that that came out of it, and um, yeah, it was sort of. I don't know how it happened. I think somebody from the ICC might have been floating in and around, and um, we were talking about wanting to get up there, or oh, when are we getting on stage with her? And um, he was sort of just like, oh, I'll leave it with me, and um, came back probably five minutes later and said, yep, yeah, come with me, and then started streaming around the outside of. Um, the, the field and um, we ran past all these police 
And I think they must have thought that we were starting some sort of stampede or something because the looks on their faces are like, what's happening here? And there's just this, this group of screaming girls as if we're teenagers running after a boy band or something. And um, then, yeah, we were sort of, we ended up waiting around the back of the stage for a while and saying, well, when are we going to get up there? Are we oh. even going to get up there? And um, yeah, ended up and they extended her concert for another 15, 20 minutes and well we done. got up there and, yeah, and then it wasn't until after that we realised Rach didn't get up there with her. No. She was too busy doing her drug test. <laughs> we thought everybody was there because Georgia Wareham was another one that was getting drug tested, but her chaperone was running along with us. She was there oh. she was at the back and, yeah, because I was like, how did you get up there and Rach wasn't? But, hey. like, Rach was outside for a little while and then she left and, Nobody realised until after and we were th- talking about how amazing it was and oh. we got to hug Katy Perry and then poor Rach didn't get to experience it. So and you can't sort of lie and go, Rach, it wasn't that good because it no, was. No, because it was freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it's it was incredible. such a... Well, Rach could have got out of it. Oh. She could have got out of it. She said... No way. She was, she was gutted. Yeah, well, she could have been, but she could have actually said to the testers, listen, I'm not sure if you've seen my form for the last uh, six months, but it has been great. There's going to be no performance-enhancing drugs in my body. So let me off this time. I'll be fine. So, but disappointing. Just, I'm just like sure. of all the timing, like the time just wasn't great. And there was obviously no way we could have contacted her to be like, come on, we're getting up on stage. And, yeah, it was it. She got out of the drug testing and the physio, I think, went up to her and was like, oh, how amazing was it to be on stage? And she's like, are you serious? <laughs> she had no idea. And then, yeah, in we come screaming. We're like, we love you, Katie, and just running by. And, yeah, it was. How did she tell Thank you. Yeah. She was gutted. And I, I don't know. She, I think, though, to be to be honest, she, she'd take winning a World Cup than having to to party with Katy Perry but if she got to choose her time again I reckon she'd probably take a strike from the drug testers and get up on the stage. (laughs) Hey Jess thanks a lot for uh, giving us your time on the biology report. Hodgie how good a guest well organized well done on the World Cup T20 win Um, stay safe in isolation keep your social media posts coming too what was your dog's name again (laughs) it's getting a great run. Alfie. Alfie. Yeah. Alfie. It's, not out, yeah. it's not outlandish enough to gain social media uh, promotional awards on our show. No. Um, I'm a bit boring when it comes to that. Yeah, you're not out there. You need to lift <laughs> your game there a little bit. If you want, there's some superstars amongst our group, Greg Norman, Michael Clark, to name a few, Dean Jones. There's some yes. real people you can take on board and, and have a look at their posts and see what it's all about. Um, last question before you go. And it's a one-word answer. There's no discussion point. Who was the better player to wear the number 17 for their country? You can see in the background, Hodge, Fleming or Lanning. Which one? Lanning. Oh, right. That's it. You're done with your shot, right? <laughs> no, we cannot. First and last time. I have to say that because I want to keep playing. Yeah, well, and he's comparing us to one of the greatest batters of all time, Hodgie. I don't think we're in Meg yeah, Lanning's class. 
We are nowhere near that. Haven't you heard the Haven't you heard the rumours that me and Flem are going to take up a post of chief selectors of the Australian women's yeah. cricket team in the future? Yep. Oh, so you just okay. dug yourself you into go. a hole there, Jay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no James, more, no she, if she's still going to be skipper, I think I'm all right. <laughs> all right. Jess, thanks for your time. Keep safe. No worries. You too, guys. Thank you. Oh, gee, um, how good was Jess? Absolutely brilliant interview. Yeah. Uh, It's good. Uh, It's amazing. Quality performer at the Australian level. Um, And just what an experience to win a World Cup for the girls. Uh, I mean, we all watched it. It was phenomenal. You were there to to see it all at hand. It was just a a fantastic uh, day for everyone involved. And looks like she could star as the, the, the Jodie Foster person in Silence of the Lambs in Australia. She's a criminologist, she's psychologist, she's just every ologist going on. She's got a big career well, out of her, away from cricket, well, that's Jess. The thing. That's the thing in cricket. There's plenty of case studies to find some uh, people with some psychological issues for sure. She's got hey, plenty of... Oh, gee, this segment's um, become massive um, because mm. of the uh, worldwide conditions we're living in at the moment location. It's... Uh, it was the reason people weren't on social media because you were calling them out. But, um, you know, that's unloaded now. I think they're happy to get called out. It's Hodgie's Social Media Self-Promoter Award. Far away, Hodgie. Well, here we go. Um, and, look, there's been a few. And um, it's not surprising that we've got some sports stars in isolation. There's nothing <laughs> better to do with their time than get their own face on, on the, the social platforms. Now, I'm going to start with... One of the legends of the game, and uh, he's been in the uh, the media just recently. So I'm not sure whether that counts as a bit of self promotion itself. But our great friend, the Professor Dean Jones, yes, um, was just out casually walking through Romsey just recently, just making sure, posting a video of himself, make sure he's um, staying in routine and encouraging everyone <laughs> to stay in routine and, and go for a six to eight kilometre walk. He does this apparently every day. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Dino hasn't been home for the last four months. So I'm not sure how staying in a routine <laughs> in Romsey has anything to do with promotion of, of staying in a routine. So <laughs> that's Dino. Uh, another one from Dino, and he must be bought out there in Romsey, went in and just had a jump up. Uh, old-fashioned jumper, just said to everyone, can anyone uh, understand which jumper this is? So I was guess the jumper. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was his Durham jumper from, whatever, 1987. Uh, anyway, there's, there's no need. That's Dino at his best. Um, uh, Channel 7's uh, very own Baz McCullum makes an appearance as well. So Baz has He's been very, very vocal prolific. on one, a lot of... Uh, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm disturbed at at the moment. How many people are coming out showing themselves doing weight and gym programs in this period of time? Now, Baz has been phenomenal at that. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure I've never seen him do it. The other one is uh, he wants to thank at williamswarn.com.au brew kit. So, and he talks about how he's fermenting some beer and some 
we know what you're up to, Baz. You've got a free kind of beer and you just got to get it on social media. <laughs> Good job. Bang. We love it. Um, Bang. Uh, the Sharks made a welcome return. Oh, thank God. And, and the Shark is, I don't want to cast everyone's mind off, but he's showing lots of clips of the past. You talk yep. about those past cricketers, um, Flem, but the Shark's taking it to a new level. <laughs> all the old Cobra clubs that he used. He's got uh, photos with Sevi Ballesteros. No one gives a shit, Shark. But what I love about this one is that he's just, again, walking with the Baywatch shorts on in a, in a, in a um, beautiful resort in Florida, just saying, I wish I was here. Well, you're not, Shark. You're in isolation in what's probably a $100 million house. Um, you just wanted to show yourself off half naked again in a social post. So that's That's why we love him. We love him. Um, wasn't this a piece of social media gold from Mark Waugh, which spruced a bit of uh, activity in the world, and that was him just showing everyone, uh, I think it was eight to ten of his V500 V or V100 uh, Slazengers. And a Super Tusker. And the Super Tusker, yes. I'm pretty sure he stole it off Mark Taylor, but if he wants to put in there, that's fine. But um, I reckon Tubby was, was the main man, wasn't he? Super Tusker. Yeah. He was trying to impoach on Tubby there for sure, but... Um, I'm angry at that. Mark Wall, well done. That was a sneaky little uh, post there. Um, I'm going to mention KL Rahul. This is a disturbing trend in uh, a lot of the Indian players at the moment. So last nine posts of KL Rahul have just been selfies of himself doing absolutely nothing. And it just like little quotes like, this time, this place. I don't get it. What's that mean? You, I know yeah. what you're on, KL. You've got nothing to do except post beautiful photos of yourself. We're all <laughs> over you. Um, this one is particularly disturbing, and it's a joint venture, M. Stark and A. Healy. Ooh. It's their four-year anniversary, apparently, and it's posted as Alyssa saying it's a four-year anniversary and Mitch saying hashtag it's mine. But what I find disturbing is both parties actually had the post, you know, the same thing. So one of them's done it for love. One of them's done it for pure self-promotion. I'm not sure which one. Okay. So it's a disturbing trend from the yes. two on But happy, um, happy, happy fourth anniversary though. Yeah. Happy, happy. Correct. Congratulations. Um, I stumbled on this little piece of gold. Jason Berendorf was his son's uh, second uh, uh, two-year-old birthday. Uh, Thanks, Deb, for at Kingdom Cupcakes Perth. You're a star. Thanks. You can pay for them next time, Jace. We're on to you. Um, And and this, I mentioned this. I've only got him in there because um, this person's, Uh. he's trying to either be the next Michael Clark or the next Steve Smith. And I've got Manus in there. Oh, Manus, yes. I'm saying he's the new pup. Two out of his last four social media posts have been about him in his garage doing weights in his gym program and stuff. Manus, it's disturbing. Leave that to the superstars <laughs> like pup. You know, do your shadow batting. Get your kookaburra on there like you've done, you know, but not 
not this. This is not you, mate. This is not why we yeah, love you. He's sort of on. been cop- copying Stephen Smith on the field with his batting. What's to stop him cop- copying Michael Clark in a social media sense? That's where he's heading. I, I, that's what I'm disturbed about, um, and I might have to have a chat to him. It's 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 a it's more of a nomination, and I don't want to see him back here. It's self promotion at its worst, and it's not his style. Hold you, this is as fired up as I've ever seen you mm, in the yeah. social media self promoter award, and and no, I, no. I'd imagine by the next one, it's it's sort of like Christmas for you though. That there's meetings yes. out there. There's lots out there. There was a lot of honourable mentions I went through. Um, yeah, there was there was lots. Uh, I yeah, no, make save them up. Save them up. I want to make special mention. I'm not putting it on there um, because the time's passed. But Ben Dunk, I've never seen so much self-promotion through a Pakistan Super League as yeah. anyone in one particular tournament. Now, no. I just want to clear this up. He was not seen during the Big Bash. Why? Because you didn't play that well. Now you're scoring 99s, you're flogging it everywhere. Bang. Well done to Benny Dunn. Honourable mention. Gee, you've just given a little smash there. Um, votes, Dino, six for two. Uh, Kehal Rahul, nine posts. About that, that's six voter there. The Sharks, six votes. Um, and he's going to be hard to catch. Uh, interesting, no Steve Wall. Tugger's quiet and down, but... Can you? Well, oh no, no, it was Punter, wasn't it? Last week, uh, Punter was there last week. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon Bazza three and three. Um, we know about the freebies, mate. Junior four. Mm. Uh, I reckon the Stark Healy one. It's four for one of them. We'll work that out. Jason Berendorf, just a sneaky little two point out voter there, and Manus. I reckon you're going to have to keep on track with Manus. He's got five. Yeah. And I expect him to go further and further up the leaderboard. Outstanding yeah. nominations, uh, Bradley. Keep on them. Yeah, yeah. That, perfect. That is the Bradley Hodge Social Media Self-Promoter Award. Hey, um, I've got a guide to um, self-isolation, and, and I'm using a book to help us. And, and, the, and it's a sort of a retro book review, Mr. Cricket, Driven oh, yeah. to Succeed. Right, mm. and it, and it's more about his rise, like the the, the topics are the chapters, the baggy blue to baggy green, building confidence, an ideal grounding, uh, chapter four, working with different personalities, uh, five mental fatigue, uh, six preparations for key, seven goal setting, chapter eight no guarantees, nine what's it all about, and because if it's a cricket book, of course the last chapter stats. I mean, it's almost like a psychology book. I don't know if yes. Jess read this, but she might have in, in her degree. Um, well, she's a left-hander, so it's not surprising if she did. Well, I wonder if she was like Mr Cricket, who was born a right-hander but actually idolised Alan Border that much that he he actually chose to bat left-handed here. But if I had to help, and why I say it helps people in, in isolation, um, is there's, there's heaps of really good uh, chapters. One is Preparations to Keep. And in isolation, where we are right now, it, it is. And he says, preparation, habits, superstitions, they're all catchphrases that every sportsman regularly hears. How important are they? How strictly should you ad- adhere to them? Now, we know in isolation, Hodgie, we've got to ad- adhere to all this, isn't there? There's distancing, all that yep. sort of stuff. But I reckon if anyone's trying uh, or finding it hard to, to go to sleep, 
This is Mr. Cricket's sleep plan when he was playing. And I reckon it is very, very relevant for everyone, and even Donald Trump, for everyone yeah. in the world right now. Okay, sleep plan, afternoon slash evening. No caffeine, milk is good. That's pretty good, isn't it? 9.30 p.m., uh, Mr Cricket says dim the lights, some relaxing music, maybe some country and western, but get the TV <laughs> off. Okay. 10 p.m. What if Ozark is on? Well, I couldn't go to sleep if Ozark's on. Or, 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 or to, this, this is probably pre-binge watching, so I'll, get, I'll okay. talk to Mr Cricket to update yeah. this. 10 p.m., go to bed, dark right. room, relax the body. I don't know his methods there. Clear no. the mind, focus on breathing, okay? Right. Also, waking in the night is normal. Tell yourself not to worry and relax. 7.30am, wake, sunlight, fresh air. That should be, every government in the world should, should be yeah. reading this for a start, Mr. Mo, slow Mo. Read that, yeah. get that bloody sleep plan out to everyone and everyone will be a lot happier in isolation. <laughs> so driven to succeed, Mr. Cricket. Uh, actually, for youngsters, get it. It's actually a really good book. Mm. I'm going to question Mr. Cricket on that, actually. I would have thought 10 stubbies and uh, a couple of glasses of rum would do it, but that's fair enough. Anyway. Well, I'll go, we will get him on, right? He owes me, Mr. Cricket, yeah. and we'll, we'll go through your pre-plans and sleep plans <laughs> at the start of your Shield Creek versus that. Hey, mate, uh, just in closing, um, yeah. big news, big news. Uh, we, had a lot of pe- we had a lot of people listen to the last one. Thanks for all the feedback. Um, yeah. as well we went number one this podcast biology report went number one guess what it's, a, it's an area we've been targeting um and, and we finally hit our goal france the congo? We, were the, uh, we did have a couple of listeners from the congo uh, that might yeah. be our goal next time number one in france during the week france. number one cricket cricket podcast and, and you Look, know not- that i've been playing french cricket i've been throwing the ball um, mm. against the wall and uh, actually I'll send a video of that and I'm not getting out LB I'm protecting my legs um, there is not enough French cricket getting played <laughs> there. Uh, no way uh, look I'm not surprised we're huge in in that part of France I mean uh, you know I mean they saw your underarm you know yes. in that in that semi-final from the, the yep. 22 yards down to Gilchrist that is French cricket all about. We don't want to go into the Chapelli sort of stuff. The, the no. Chapel. no, 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 no. Fleming is the way forward in in underarm cricket. So they actually teach like, that in schools. They show that footage in schools. This is how you play yeah. French cricket. Look at this no. um, uh, outdated goatee guy, graying head, underarming this. Target this. My, my question is: Can we get you a T Twenty gig over there? Can we add to your five hundred eighty two T Twenty teams that you've already played for? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I imagine that local cricket in France is shut down at the moment. But uh, you know, is there an opportunity on the other side of this to, to find myself an opportunity? Oh, look, I'm short of cash at the moment. There's not a lot coming in. I know that. So Yeah. So if um, it start, yeah. what about the Arc de Trump 11? Why can't you captain them or coach them? Well, I'm more, I'm more French Riviera. 
if if you, okay. if you really yeah I'm more sitting on my sitting my ass on a beach and having a few um, cans after it. But uh, if there, I imagine if there is a team in the middle of Paris, I can possibly look to get it shifted down towards the French Riviera, and we can have a cracking yes. time, no doubt. I, I definitely well, let's try. Do. Let's get some feedback from our French listeners. But overall, Hodgie, thanks a lot for joining us. Jess was an absolute legend. Yeah. Um, I think for everyone, keep safe, keep isolating. Isolated, you know. Thank you to all the doctors and nurses who are working so hard for us out there. But um, but Hodgy, we'll, we'll be back. We'll get another one going. We we'll get another special guest. Um, but stay safe, big fella. We will uh, we will finish off, Flem. Just a little one out there to anyone that does need some exercise, and and this goes to show why you were so fit in the eighties. The yeah. Jane Fonda exercise video. Check it out on YouTube. It's a classic. And Abigail Costello, I'm only 21 minutes in and I've felt like I've been doing this for an hour. No wonder everyone in the 80s was skinny legends. And I'll tell you what you'll also love that accompanies this video is the porno type music which is on it. It's an absolute piece of gold. You've got to check it out. So all that I reckon we... in... Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, anyway. get it back on, we'll get it back on the charts. See you, <laughs> See you, Flem. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.